Thank you, Teresa. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Pastor Tim here at Faith Community, and how good it is to be with you on this uh, first Sabbath of May. And I trust that you and your family continue to be well in this very unprecedented time in which we find ourselves. And uh, I just want to encourage you to continue on your walk of faith, drawing from God, relying upon your Lord in these days in which we find ourselves. As Pastor Julie said, I'm feeling called to something in this season that we're in right now, and it's a season with the Psalms. A season with the Psalms. I mean, where do you go oftentimes when things are difficult in your life, when your heart is bleeding, when your soul is parched and your mind is bewildered? Where do you go? You know, it was announced this week, uh, Amy Van Dyke, the lead curator up at Museum of the Bible there in Washington, D.C., they have two of Elvis Presley's Bible. And uh, it is noted within his Bible, there are so many notations, underlined words, all kinds of things there in the Psalms. It's evidently the place where the king of rock and roll turned there to the Psalms. And after all, being a musician, uh, he turned to these wonderful hymns to seek what was God's words for him in his life. I mean, what other country has 150 songs? We have My Country, Tis of Thee, or America the Beautiful, and the Star Spangled Banner, but the Israelites have 150 hymns. And what is it about these psalms that speak to our soul in any time of life? It's the grandeur of the soul, and they have a way of reaching into our core and speaking words of truth. Now, as you ponder these words of Scripture, you could summarize all 150 of these psalms that they are speaking about the faithfulness of God. And so I want to pose a question to you today. Do you trust God? Or maybe I should rephrase that. Do we trust God today? Because quite honestly, it is far easier to tell someone else to trust God than it is for you to trust God. It's kind of like the story of the boy one time that received a bicycle. He was overjoyed. It wasn't his birthday. It wasn't any kind of any special occasion. It, it wasn't Christmas, and he received this bicycle. And he was thrilled, as you can imagine. And his younger brother began to inquire, how did you get that bicycle? And his older brother said, well, I've been in Sunday school class, and I've learned to trust God and to pray, and I've been praying about this bicycle, and God has gifted me with this bicycle. And he suggested that his younger brother needed to begin to pray. And a few days passed, and the little boy went back to his older brother and said, why don't you give me your bicycle, and you trust God again and pray for a bicycle. I want to say to you today that oftentimes we pray, and we wonder, does God hear our prayers? I mean, have you ever prayed for something, and you really didn't get what you were asking for? Or maybe you experienced a tragedy. Maybe right now you're scratching your head. You can't figure out where is God in the middle of this pandemic. Or maybe there's someone in your life that you've always respected. Maybe someone that you had a lot of confidence in. Maybe it was a, a devout 
friend, uh, a Christian believer, maybe it was even a pastor, but they've done something that's greatly disappointed you. You know, the more you know God, I want to say to you, the easier it is for you to trust God. How much can you trust a person after all? You can trust a person, I would like to suggest to you, only to the degree that you really know the person. Now there's at least two to three key ingredients, that special sauce that you need for our authentic friendships. And one is that that person is honest. If you're gonna have a real relationship with someone, you need to make sure that they are honest, that they are truthful. A second element that is so important is that they are fair and that they are just and do the right thing. But a third vital key is that they're dependable and they're reliable. And if you're going to really have a relationship with someone, you want to see all of those special qualities and elements that are there. Well, this is where I want us to turn for just a moment this morning to Psalm 33. And listen to these words once more as Trista read them. And verse 4, For the word of the Lord is right and true, and he is faithful in all that he does. Now notice the three characteristics here. These are attributes of God. Right and true and faithful. And you know, I find once you grasp this character of God, once you gain further understanding and really deepen your understanding of the attributes of God, that God is holy, God is just, God is reliable and faithful, you'll have no problem trusting God even when you go through those challenging circumstances in life. Let me say to you that the greatest example of God's faithfulness, without a doubt, is the nation of Israel. If you would just take a step back and reflect upon the entire Bible, you'll find that God is faithful every step of the way to these people. He continually made promise after promise and continually fulfilled promise after promise. In fact, it caused Joshua there in chapter 21, verse 45, to say, not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Now, to Israel, faithfulness was one of God's most important qualities. In fact, you find this subject of faithfulness almost addressed more than any other subject in all the Old Testament. It is very special to the Israelite. God is a faithful God. He does what he said he's going to do. He made all kinds of promises, as you can recall, to the nation of Israel. He promised Abraham a son. He promised the Israelites a land of their own. He promised a harvest. He promised them blessing. He promised them protection, and he provided. He promised deliverance from Egypt. He promised them restoration after captivity. He promised them a Messiah. Notice what God says he's going to do. He does. He has a perfect track record. And not one of these promises have ever He's better than the meteorologist, right? He is faithful for, if, it's, if he says it's going to rain, it's going to rain. If he says the sun's going to come out, the sun is going to come out. In the Pentateuch, we find this phrase in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7 and verse 9, for he is the faithful God keeping his covenant to a thousand generations. He has been faithful to Israel over and over again year after year 
repeatedly faithful and has fulfilled every single promise. Let me ask you today, how many Hittites do you see running around? Have you seen any Jezebites lately? But let me say, there are the Israelites even today, and it's because God is faithful, and he never breaks a promise. There's another scripture, Psalm 145, that challenges us this morning, for it says, the Lord is faithful to all of his promises. Now, someone has counted some 7,000 promises in God's word that we can stand on today, that we can embrace, that we can rely upon that we can draw strength from. They are like blank checks waiting to be cashed in. God wants to fulfill his promises, but you have to claim them today. You have to draw upon God and enter that relationship to God through Jesus Christ. He has put them in writing. And so looking here today at God's faithfulness, I want us to look at three wonderful guarantees that God has given us. Now, I could have chosen from another 6,996 uh, promises, but there are three, especially today, that are on my heart. <clears throat> I want to remind you about and lift up today before we share communion together. And the first one is this. You can depend on God today to give you guidance. Do you know that? Uh, I have here, my friends, my grandmother's Bible. My grandmother is 99. Her name is Maxine. And uh, she is, of course, a very special person to me and my family. And I've just learned uh, a couple of days ago that the coronavirus has invaded her nursing facility. And I would ask for your prayers for her. And I can remember back a special verse to her that she shared with me over and over again. And it's become one of my special verses in my heart. And it's in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord and, and uh, lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Or as another translation says here, trust in the Lord with all your heart and never rely on what you think you know. But remember the Lord in everything you do and he will show you the way. Notice it says, he will show you the way. There's the promise. And the premise is, trust in the Lord. Now, you know, many times in life, you'll be facing a question of, what am I going to do about this situation? There'll be maybe a major crisis in your life. And sometimes it may not be a major crisis. It might be a minor dilemma. But you're wondering to yourself, what am I going to do? What should I do in this certain case. And you know, when you have questions like that and you're facing a need, uh, you need guidance. And where do you go to turn to guidance? Where do you go to find this? It's been interesting through my life to think about all the comical ways, if you will, that people like seek guidance. All kinds of superstitious ways that people will just go for guidance. Uh, they'll flip a coin. Or maybe they'll call, you remember the 800 or 900 lines here a few years ago that was especially uh, a hot commodity where, where people were proposing themselves to be these some type of special psychics and if you would just give me $20, I'll tell you what you should do. Uh, other things that people do, fortune cookie, tea leaves, palm reading, to call into to talk shows and, and just to find out what someone thinks. 
some type of crystal ball, but I gotta tell you something that is utterly reliable, that will never fail you, it's completely fail safe, and that is our God, who loves you more than you'll ever know. And he is entirely faithful and true. And there's only one complete source that you can turn to that will never lead you astray, and that is God. Now, how do you get this guidance? Well, just two ways, uh, just at the beginning, I would remind you that you need to do two basic things in life, and one is you need to read God's Word. You need to read the Bible. The Bible. As you read the Bible, you become more and more aware of God's attributes and God's will. You learn more and more to trust God as you see this faithfulness on display. And God's will is found in God's Word, and it's the guidebook. And if you're not reading the Bible, you can't expect to get too much guidance. A second important ingredient for your walk of faith is godly counsel of those close friends. And folks, I can't tell you how important it is to be in a small group, to surround yourself with other believers that have experienced this life and God has used them. There's something about that that has reached out and touched my life. Other colleagues and friends and family members who have struggled in life and they have been used of God. God has worked in their life and they shared some important counsel. I encourage you today to rely upon the Lord because the Lord you can depend on. He can give you guidance. Secondly, I would say to you, you can depend on God to settle the score. To settle the score. You know, I know a lot of times we look at the news these days, we see the newspaper reports, and you probably felt like life is not fair. I, I mean, you read about a criminal who has done some horrible things, who has really assaulted someone, or who has just done some gross uh, thing out there, and yet they get off scot-free, it appears, because of some technicality, and you're like in disbelief. Or maybe someone else out has done some scheme and has cheated a bunch of people out of millions of dollars and somehow they've been able to get out of the country and they're sitting on a beach somewhere enjoying uh, an incredible view while you're home working your fingers to the bone and you're saying life is not fair and i want to say to you you know you're exactly right life isn't fair and in fact the bible doesn't really say that life is fair God has provided this world in which we live that we have free will. And just like you give your, your daughter a pair of ice skates or your son the keys to the car, you provide these wonderful things that you know is going to bring a lot of joy. But at the same time, there could be accidents, there could be problems. And yet God gives us this free will, and even with the messes that happen, the accidents comes, the issues that don't come up that makes life feel very comfortable, God somehow can take all those things and still achieve his purpose. Now that's real power, is it not? And because we live today in an imperfect world, because there is sin in this world, people do wrong things and innocent people get hurt, and life, as you know, is not fair. And that's why one day the Bible says God is going to settle the score. God is going to write the books. God is going to set things straight. There is a heaven, the Bible says, and there is a hell. You can't have one without the other. 
And one day there is going to be a judgment time where God is going to clear the slates, settle the score, and there's going to be a time of accounting. There's going to be rewards, but there's going to be consequences. And you know, when you face a hurt, do you ever find yourself wanting to get even with that person? Do you ever find yourself wanting to avenge things? You know, out uh, a couple decades ago, it was Lee Iacocca, I believe, who was the CEO, the leader of the Chrysler Corporation, and he made a comment one time, you don't get mad, you get even. But what a terrible philosophy of life when you carry that to its conclusion. How much of a terrible feeling and burden you carry around in your soul when you have that kind of bitterness and, and that kind of anger and that desire to get back. Better yet, again, the words of Apostle Paul there in Romans 12. Dear friends, never avenge yourself, but leave that to God, for he has said he will repay those who deserve it. Don't try to get revenge yourself get even yourself, get back at that person, allow God to do it. And that is a faithful promise that you can rely upon, that God in time, he will settle the score for he is just. And then one other promise just in the time that we have here as we approach the Lord's table here just momentarily. Let me remind you that today, my friend, you can depend on God to forgive your sins. Do you know that? Another great verse in the New Testament, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we admit that we have sinned, if we confess our sin to the Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Or yet, as another translation so eloquently says, if we freely admit that we have sinned, we find him reliable. We find him just, and he forgives us and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. Think about that. Notice the words here, reliable and just. The two characteristics of God that guarantee your forgiveness. God says your forgiveness is based on who I am and not who you can become. I, I mean, in every promise, if you notice here in the Bible, for every promise here, there's a condition. And God says, if you do this, then I'll do that. And here in this case, in 1 John uh, chapter 1, in this verse, it's admit. If you notice here, if you admit your sins, if you confess it to God, he has promised he's going to forgive you. Does this verse say anything at all about working out your forgiveness? Absolutely not. And yet it's in our DNA, isn't it, to want to do something. I mean, for years, it's let's sacrifice an animal. Let's follow these laws here to the detail of what needs to be accomplished. I know a lot of times today we bargain with God. God, if you will just forgive me this time, well, I'll never do it again. Or sometimes we want to bribe God and we want to say, Lord, if you'll forgive me right now, I'll start tithing 20% of the church. I'll t talk to that person down the hallway and uh, there at work, and I'll share the faith if you'll just forgive me this time. And maybe other times we actually beg God, please, please, God, forgive me. As if we have to woo God or, or convince God to forgive us. But you don't need to beg, bribe, or bargain God. You just simply admit. And you come before God. This is the wonder of God's grace and say, God, I'm a sinner. God, 
I've made some mistakes. Please forgive me. And he is faithful and just to forgive you. And you can take that to the bank, friends. You can absolutely rely upon that. Now, there are thousands of promises I could have talked about today. These have been on my heart. No doubt there are others today that come to your mind as we think about these psalms. And there are out there for the claiming. And these psalms really gyrate the soul. These promises really draw us to go deeper, I believe, in our walk of faith. The key of all of these promises, I find, is in Jesus Christ. You know, in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. In other words, Christ is the key to the promises of God. It's our relationship to Christ that really unlock these promises. That's the starting point. And so I want to ask you the question again of where we began here in these moments together is, can God be trusted? Are you trusting God today? The Bible says this one last time. In the book of Romans, Paul says, for the scripture tells us that no one who believes in Christ will be disappointed. I guarantee you today, if you will embrace these promises of God, you will not be disappointed. Shall we pray together? Almighty God, thank you so very much for all of your faithfulness. We truly stand in awe of your grace and love toward us and your utter reliability, how we can depend upon you. We rejoice in these Israelites who through the years were challenged and bewildered in their own walk and journey, but how through it all, that covenant in which you made, you fulfilled in every step of the way. And Lord, we claim these promises today through your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask this in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus, our Lord.